This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now the Red's Hot Stove League on the Red's Radio Network. Welcome into the Red's Hot Stove League, as always, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. We have so much to get to today. We are going to have the Cowboy Jeff Brantley on in just a little bit. Jay Bruce sat down, well, talked by phone with Tom Brenneman earlier today. That conversation is coming up as well. And we welcome in now Tom Brenneman. I'm Tommy Thrall. Tom, how are we doing? Everything's going great. How about you, young man? Hey, I can't complain. Life is uh, life is as good as it can be under these uh uh, circumstances and and you know there's uh there's obviously a lot of talk right now uh around the reds twitter account or the reds website talking about the 90s reds of course this is the 30th anniversary of the 1990 wire to wire reds team and of course uh, if you haven't seen uh fox sports ohio is going to start replaying the 1990 world series and that begins mm-hmm. tonight at seven o'clock once our show here it is done. So uh, that was the wire-to-wire team. They won the World Series, swept it from the A's. You can start re-watching that World Series tonight. But as part of this, fans can vote on the 90s all-decade team at reds.com slash 1990 team. And, Tom, you and I were, were talking about this a little while ago uh, before we came on the air. There are some there are some guys on that list, especially when you talk about bullpen guys. We'll bring Jeff Brantley in in a minute, and he's one of the guys you can vote for. There's some. Th- this is a tough vote. I'm going to tell you what, the bullpen, I'm not so sure that's not the toughest one of all because uh, the way the ballot is set up, for those that have not seen it yet, you can check it out again at Reds.com, is uh, there's a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there's 16 relief pitchers, and you're only allowed to select three. Now, you know, the, 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 the most popular thing to do, I'm sure, is going to end up being, well, you got to pick the nasty boys, Dibble, right. Carlton, Myers, right? But if you really start digging in and you say, okay, if you're picking an all-decade team, you know, we're, Danny Graves, I think, had the most saves by far in that decade than any pitcher had. He has the most in franchise history. Okay, so you start right. there. And then you start looking at some of the other guys that were here in the careers that they put together, even though they may not have been a closer kind of a guy. Scott Service, Scott Sullivan, there were some others on that list including Jeff Bramley, who led the league, and if I'm not mistaken, he's still the only reliever in Reds history to lead the league in saves. Well, it's a record that he still holds. Yeah. So That's what I, I mean. mean you've got two. All those guys are on yeah. one. On, you got to pick three out of, out of just the, the, the eight or nine or ten that I just named. Yeah. I mean, the 44 saves that Jeff had in 96, that is still – uh, like you talked about, that's still the club record. Uh, Jeff Shaw had a great year the year after that. You talked about the Nasty Boys, of course. So that's what I was thinking, too. And when I went and looked, I thought, well, if they, if they allow you to get, you know, four or five relievers, all right, that, that makes sense. And then you see that it's three. And right away, like you said, that was the first thought I had, was you automatically just select the Nasty Boys. But I, that's a, that is probably the toughest side of, uh, uh, you know, of that 
poll or uh, the ballot there. So, again, Reds.com. Uh, you can find it. Scroll down on the uh, Reds homepage, and then it's the 1990s All-Decade Team Fan Vote. Uh, voting will end uh, tomorrow, Thursday. That's it, tomorrow. Okay. We have until basically midnight tomorrow. Get your get your ballot in. Uh, we are going to talk with the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, coming up. Of course, both Tom and I have the great pleasure during the baseball season to work with him. And uh, so he'll join us. We'll talk about his, his time with the Reds, and uh, that'll be a fun conversation. That's coming up momentarily sign up your son or daughter for the coolest club in all of reds country for only 30 bucks your child can become a reds heads kids club member and get an exclusive backpack jersey a eugenio suarez bobblehead free reds tickets members only experiences and more purchase today at reds.com slash kids club uh also you know another thing we were talking about uh this this 90s team getting a lot of talk you had a chance to chat with jay bruce that conversation is coming up in the second half of the show but that ties in because coming up uh we are going to be replaying here across the reds radio network of course that national league central division uh clinching game in which jay bruce hit the famous walk-off home run that was back on september 28th of 2010 and uh Tom, I'm sure that was a lot of fun to, to revisit that moment with him and uh, and and chat with him for a little while. You know, I, I got to be honest with you, Tommy, and 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 I'm not sitting here in any form or fashion. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me when I say this uh, that I had anything to do with it because I don't. It was I have never heard Jay Bruce talk more um, and be more reflective than he was in rough, roughly a I don't know how long it ended up being a 12 or 14 minute interview. You know, he's done these interviews a lot where he's talked about that moment when he hit the home run uh, and all those kinds of things and, and tried to, you know, walk people through. There have been specials done on radio and television and all that kind of thing. But when he talks about his time with the Reds and everything that has taken place since he left the Reds, I would highly encourage anybody, if they have the time tonight, to listen to this interview and the things that he has to say about Cincinnati and living here and being here and coming up through this system the franchise as a whole, and what he says about the fans of the city. I, I think they will really, really enjoy listening to this interview with Jay Bruce tonight. Outstanding. Well, we look forward to that coming up second half of the show. Right now we want to welcome in uh, a guy that, like I said before, is a partner to both Tom Brenneman and myself, the Cowboy, and the Reds, single-season save leader. Of course, the record that we talked about moments ago back in 96 when he saved 44 games. Jeff Brantley, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I miss you guys. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely miss you. Let's get some baseball going here soon, huh? I hear you. I hear you. I hope sooner rather than later. Cowboy, what do you think of that idea? There, you know, there have been a number of ideas. Uh, everybody going to Arizona. I think everybody agreed that of the ones they talked about, that would, you know, that has the most tools I think you can punch in it because guys are not going to be quarantined from their families for four or five months, whatever it's going to be. Then they come up with a Florida-Arizona thing. And now, you know, we're really starting to evolve moving forward into the idea of perhaps, you know, Texas becoming a part of that, um, at least to start with no fans in the stands, and combining American League and National League teams into three different divisions, one in Florida, one in Texas, one in uh, Arizona, that, that, that would continue to play out that way the rest of the year. What, what are your thoughts about that idea? 
I, I like the idea, Tom, specifically because of the, the New York and the California teams. I, I think they are going to have some problems getting into their ballpark before anyone else does. And I, I think that if you include uh, Texas and Florida along with Arizona, I, I think it gives you an opportunity to have to, to put it, like as you were saying, into those three different divisions, uh, ten teams per division. Uh, the Reds wouldn't have a whole lot of traveling to do, I can assure you. <laughs> no, no. But I, but I think the I think the big key here is everybody goes to spring training uh, two and a half, maybe three weeks to get that done. Um, I think once you once you start the season, I think you're going to end up starting the season whether it's in Arizona, Texas, or Florida, in order to to have some kind of uh, fairness to the clubs that aren't going to be able to go to their home ballparks. But I would say, but I would say within um, a month, uh, the Reds would be playing at great American ballpark. I would say that almost every city that's there would have a pretty good opportunity to, to play in their own home ballpark. As far as that uh, AL slash NL central is concerned, uh, I think East coast and California, they're going to have a tough time, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And, 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 you know, at least the latest plan that we've read about, I think the USA Today broke the story yesterday, last night, um, you know, that, that, that it would be a situation where we would start in each of those three states. We, every team in baseball, you know, the, the, the group, uh, the East in, in Florida, the group out West in, in uh, Arizona, and then the group the Reds would be in, in Texas with the idea that like you said, within, you know, Lord knows how long, but, but, but say if the season started at the beginning of July, that maybe by August you'd be able to play in just about everybody's home ballparks, uh, although it was starting to look more and more and more like, like it might be a, a Cowboys a season where we have no fans at all in the stands. Yeah, I don't and, know. I, and I, think, I think, Tom, that as we, as we venture further into this uh, baseball knowledge and, and kind of get a grasp on, on what we're going to do, uh, and you may disagree with me on this, but I think it's going to look more and more like uh, the break-in of the new ballpark in Dallas may end up being the World Series site. Yeah, I, I'm with That's you. An I hear you. Thought. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. You know, originally we were hearing that uh, L.A. would be a good fit because they will lose the All-Star game this year, and that would be kind of a nice way to, to make up for that, but you know, like you were saying, it doesn't sound like things are going to be happening in California for a long time, and that might not be a viable option. Yeah, I think, you know, everything is, is just kind of thrown up against the wall right now and to see what sticks. But when you start looking at, at how all of these governments work, and, and it's not just the our federal government, you're looking at state governments, and, and I just think you're going to have a really difficult time in New York and in California, whether it be San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, Anaheim, any of those clubs. Even though there are a bunch of clubs out there, I just think you're going to have a difficult time. Well, we're visiting with the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. We'll continue our conversation with him. We'll pick his brain about uh, – I want to I ask you about some of the rule changes that have been proposed for this uh, unique season that we will be uh, enduring once things get up and running. And uh, also, we'll talk some 90s Reds baseball with the Cowboy as well. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. 
app, Reds fans can get an inside look into Reds players, broadcasters, and the MLB mm -hmm. season each week with two Reds podcasts. Every Monday, catch the Jim Day podcast, and Tuesday, don't miss Behind the Mic with Tom Brenneman, presented by PNC Bank. Subscribe now at reds.com slash podcast. Also, want to pass along our condolences to the family of George Zara, and uh, we are certainly saddened to inform you that uh, the former Reds and Reds employee and longtime scout, uh, George Zara, passed away on Friday. Uh, he was very influential in, in signing many Reds players, including Ray Knight, Joe Oliver, Lenny Harris, Nick Kosaski, several others as well. He spent over 50 years in Major League Baseball. Uh, he was also a mentor to Reds Vice President of Player Development, Sean Pender. Again, George was 89 years old. We continue now with uh, the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. And, uh, Jeff, I, I, we didn't talk too much before about the uh, the 90s teams. I want to get into this a little bit. I, I don't know if you've been on the Reds' website to look at the, uh, the balloting, and I want to get into some of the rule changes as well that they're discussing for once the baseball season gets going. But uh, I don't know if you've been on the Reds' website to check out the, the fan voting that's going on right now for the Reds' all-decade team. But you're on there. You're on the ballot as well. You should be. We talked about... Uh, your record, 44 saves in 96. Uh, you got hurt in 97. Jeff Shaw ended up uh, kind of making a run at your record that following season. I have to ask you, would you? up, man, in baseball, and it was pretty obvious the following year because he saved <laughs> 43 ball games. So, um, I just think that the way that, that things worked from the seventh inning on uh, with Jeff Shaw and myself, it was about as good as it got for a closer and you know I, I love to tell Jeff so many times I said you get the tough guys I'll get the easy guys because it seemed like every time he came into the ball game he was coming in with runners on base he'd pitch the seventh he'd pitch the eighth and then here here I come trotting out of the dugout to pitch the the ninth inning and get the get three batters so uh, it was a little easier on me than it was on him yeah, they said that well, Shaw uh, was close to being dead by the time he got finished shutting up Brantley there for those couple of years. <laughs> he was sucking wind by the time they got to 97. <laughs> he got that right. <laughs> uh, well, certainly some good competition. Check it out. We were talking about earlier, if you haven't had a chance to check out the uh, the balloting there on Reds.com, some really good stuff, some great relievers, great Reds relievers. You only get to pick three, so uh, good luck to you if you're going to go on there and uh, and vote i want to talk about we were talking about what the season could look like once baseball gets uh, resumed and uh you and i have been talking a little bit here over this uh over this i guess you could call it a, a dead period while we wait for things to get going uh, they've discussed a lot of different ideas regarding the rules one that sounds like it's uh, all but a certainty is that there will be a universal DH, but but are there some of the rules that you've looked at and read over that have been proposed and talked about possibly using this season that that are intriguing to you, or is there something out there that maybe hasn't been talked about much that you might like to see? I, I think that if we are going to play the the amount of double headers that that we're talking about playing, um, if that actually comes to fruition, number one. Uh, I'd like to see us just put ties on the board. And, and I know that's not going to go over well at all with, with most people because you want to see uh, a team win a ball game. But I, I think when you're talking about playing 
this kind of number of ball games in this short a period of time, especially when you add in double headers, I think we're going to have a I think we're going to have a problem playing uh, 12, 13, 14 inning ball games. I think you're going to you're asking a little bit too much, unless of course uh, we expand the rosters. And I think the the other thing that that really comes to my mind is that if we were going to ever in the history of our game use a a technological advancement like a robot umpire or or use a, a a strike zone that is that is called from from a box or a, a technological advancement I, I i think this would have been the year to do it but i don't know that we're ready to put that out there without risking some major embarrassment if, if we were further along this would have been a good thing to to put forward yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you definitely got to consider uh, not only the tie, which, which you're right, a lot of people, their first reaction is going to be no way, but there have been a lot of studies done here in the last, really since 2017, ultimately about the few number of games you would have that would actually end in a tie. And, of course, the best way to avoid that is the rule, the idea that I like, Cowboy, I, if I remember, I don't think you liked it. I could be wrong, Tommy. I'm not sure how you felt about it. I just felt once you got to the 10th or once you got to the 11th inning, you know, do what they were going to do in the World Baseball Classic and start innings with runners at first and second base. You would enhance the chance of having a tie. You get it down to next to nothing. Well, well I, I, I think, I think that's a good way to do it. I think if we're at a point now where we're going to look at some type of experimentation, uh, now would be the time to to see where that leads us. Um, I, I know a lot of people are talking about seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, yep. Depending on the roster size, that might be an avenue to, to cross. Yep. I, think, I think it's kind of 50-50 on that department. Always a pleasure, Cowboy. We're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk again soon. I hope I get to see you guys soon, man. See you, buddy. Absolutely. Take care. That is Jeff Brantley, the Cowboy, joining us today. Coming up, Tom Brenneman chats with Jay Bruce and his massive home run that carried the Reds into the 2010 postseason as National League Central Division winners. The Reds Hot Stove continues on the Reds Radio Network. Back on the Reds Hot Stove League, and it's a pleasure to be joined by longtime Red and certainly one-time uh, down the road, there will be a day where he goes into the Reds Hall of Fame. There is absolutely zero debate about that. A number one draft pick, the 12th overall back in 2005. Made his major league debut with the Reds, and what a debut it was in 2008 for Jay Bruce. Jay, I, I was talking with Dave Yeti Armbruster, our producer engineer, before we went on this show tonight. And I said, I cannot believe, and I think a lot of Reds fans listening to this show tonight are going to go, no doubt about it. I can't believe... It, it, for two different reasons, that you're 33 years old. 33 because we saw I you know. come up as basically a teenager, and, and 33 <laughs> in that I'd have thought you'd be about 37 or 38 because you've been around forever. You know, I got I get that a lot. I get both of those a lot. I get both of those a lot, and it is. It's crazy because I can kind of – I feel both sides of that pretty uh, pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I got into the – I walked into the batter's box um, this past season – and uh, Kurt Suzuki uh, was was there, and, and I was like, Kurt, how old are you, man? And he was like, I'm 36. He's like, yeah, you know, us older guys. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm only 32, you know, but it happens a lot because I did. I came up early, um, and 
I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be around a long time, you know, never went back to the minor leagues and, um, and I've also bounced around a lot. So people honestly probably don't even know where I am a lot of times. So after, after the Reds, I've, uh, been a traveling circus for sure. You know, well, what's that been like for, for you and your, your family that, uh, you know, you, you were in one place for so very long, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, there have been some times here in the uh, in, in recent years where you bounced a little, around a little bit more, and, and you and Hannah and, and your kids, Maxwell, two-year-old, and um, Carter, a four-year-old, well, what's that been like, you know, for, for the whole family the last couple of seasons moving around? You know, there's been a lot of layers to it. It's It's been fun. It's been exciting. And there's also been some times where, you know, it definitely poses its, its own challenges and it's more difficult. Um, you know, for me and for Hannah and, you know, Carter was born in Cincinnati. Or he was, I played for Cincinnati when he was born. So, you know, for us, I mean, Cincinnati is all will always feel like our baseball home. Um we had so many great experiences and, and years there. And, you know, so n- not to take anything away from other places that I've been because I've had some great experiences at other places, but, you know, it's really those places, none of those places have re- ever really held a candle to Cincinnati. And um, something I feel very, very fortunate for because not a lot of people get that experience, uh, especially with their first organization, the organization that drafted them. And, you know, it's something that um, I haven't closed the door either to hopefully maybe, you know, coming back one day. Visiting with Jay Bruce, um, you know, I, I want to follow up to, to just one thing about the, the comment you made. You, you, you know, you, you're right in that so many people even ask me the, the three different teams I've announced for and what was it like in Chicago, what was it like in Arizona. There are different stages in your life that, that are ex- you experience in each of those places, uh, whether it's you get married or whether you start to have children and all those kinds of things. But to try to zero in a little bit, do you think, and I don't know if this would pertain to you or whether you've talked about this with other players that you're very close with, um, and you look at a guy like a good friend of yours, Joey Votto. It looks as though he'll play his entire career, more than likely, for the Cincinnati Reds. Do, do you think that there is a, a, a common itch for a player who's been with a franchise since day one, come up, comes up with that franchise, has a lot of good times, has some you know, maybe not so good times, do you think there's a sure. common itch to want to go somewhere else and see what it's like, and then maybe once you get somewhere else, even if it's great, you kind of wish you never left? I think that the common itch, for the most part, is every player's dream is to spend their entire career with the team that drafted them. My goal my whole time in Cincinnati was to be in Cincinnati until, you know, I was done. And obviously, I don't. there's no hard feelings, and I don't hold – any ill will towards any of that of any what of what happened because at the time it was it, it was naturally time for that to happen mm-hmm. you know the 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 reds were going into a a different you know kind of part of their franchise history and you know it was time to kind of restart the wheel a little bit we had some amazing years there i was so fortunate to be part of you know bringing baseball relevant baseball back to cincinnati and but i also think like when the time does come you know, because honestly, there at the end, it's like, okay, it's time for me to go. You know, like, I, I kind of, I get it. You know, it's time. Let's just get this show on the road and, and get somewhere else and kind of start the next chapter. But you kind of find out that, that, you know, a lot of times the grass is not always green. Mm-hmm. And the grass is greener in different places. You know, you have different things that you like about other places. But the comfort and 
the familiarity with the first place that you played, especially if it was a long time, is definitely something that people, I think, maybe take for granted a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting, man. It's, 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 it's really interesting. And it's, um, it, you know, the transition is definitely um, a bit odd at first. We have more to come with Jay Bruce, kind enough to join us here tonight on the Reds Hot Stove League. We're back after this. Back on the Reds Hot Stove League and visiting with Jay Bruce. You've done this drill many, many times before. Uh, you made reference to it a moment ago, the, the division-clinching home run. You know, I, I went back and I, and I looked through that game a little bit and sort of the play-by-play in that game. And, you know, it, it was one of those typical Reds games of that year. You got great starting pitching by Edinson Volquez. You're down 2-1 to one in the sixth. Uh, Brandon Phillips gets a base hit, infield hit, drives in a run, tie the game. Now you hand it to the bullpen. And it goes from Arthur Rhodes, who had an incredible year that year, went to the All-Star game, yeah, Nick Massett, and then on to Aroldis Chapman. Three no-hit, scoreless innings, six punch-outs, not a single walk, 2-2, two, two, going to the bottom of the ninth. Now, you know, when as that game is going on, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, the final out before you left you in the on-deck circle in the eighth inning. Am I right on that? I think you're right. On the, I don't remember specifically that, but I do remember my bat before my the home run of that. Okay, so that was if, I, if I'm right, I think you bounced into a double play in that at bat. Am I right on that? I or struck out. I feel like I hit a really out. hard one hopper with the bases loaded, and I think that I think it, it was either a double play, but but the, the person dove, the second base dove, and I don't remember who was playing. So it might have been Altuve. I don't think it was Altuve. I don't remember. Right. But they dove and caught the ball and there's a whole backstory to this that i can't wait to tell you but keep asking your questions and no please do i want to hear the backstory that's they want to hear from you they don't want to hear from me go ahead so as many of you know especially you um wandy rodriguez was my absolute kryptonite as as (laughs) an opposing pitcher you weren't not sure why you weren't alone not sure why but I mean, he was a left-hander who threw 87 to 89 miles an hour. Like, and it was not funky. It was – I don't know why. Everyone has their own, that, that one guy that they just cannot hit. And he was one of them for me, the main one. And it got to the point – and listen, Dusty did not give me very many days off. I didn't want days off. We would fight about getting days off. I did not want them. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where – it was both kind of understood from Dusty and me. Like, if Wandy was pitching, it's probably just going to take a day. Mm-hmm. I was probably just going to have a day off. And it was so rare that I got days off. And he was like, Jay, listen, like, one, you ain't got a foot to stand on. Like, look, look, you're not going to hit him kind of deal, you know. And Dusty was – he was funny about it, but he was honest about it, and I appreciated all that. That day, he, Wandy was pitching. And so – I get to the field, Dusty calls me in, he's like, hey, man, he's like. <laughs> I can hear him. I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I can hear him. Yeah, yeah, no, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I'm going to put you in there tonight. And I think I was hitting seventh. And I usually hit fourth or fifth um, during, you know, that, that time. And he's like, I'm going to hit seventh. You know, I know it's Wandy, but we got a chance to clinch tonight, so I want you to be in the lineup, and I want you to be in the game, and I want you to be on the field when it happens. I said, all right, well, that's, that's awesome. Perfect. Sounds good to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember going up and with the bases loaded and the game was tied, 
And I was like, this is it. Like, this is when I can turn the whole thing around against Wandy Rodriguez. And I hit the ball hard, and I, the guy dove and caught it. It might have been a double play, whatever. I forget. But I was like, gosh, another missed opportunity. You know, like, I almost proved, I almost, like, proved him right. And so then I come back up, and Tim Burdick's on the mound in my next at bat, and obviously hit the home run. And, All right, well, no, 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 back up, back up, back up. Because we, okay, we, okay, we got okay, okay. to walk up to the, we got to walk up with you now to the plate, okay? Sure, so the, the Reds sure. had not been in the playoffs forever and a day. There had been very few good seasons. And, and you know, you were a part of it for a couple of years where things were starting to build back up and a good core of you and yep. Joey and Brandon, uh, among others. Um, and you bring in some other people and that sort of thing. But but it, 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 when, when you get back from right field at the end of the eighth and, or after the top of the ninth and you come back in the dugout, is there any part of you that's saying, okay, Burdick's in the game. You're a sharp guy. You know they're going to bring him in to face you. Um, it, it, what are you thinking at that point? Are you thinking just get on base, or do you say, okay, this is a guy I know that has given up some home runs in the past. Not many this year, though. I think he had only given up three home runs the entire year before you got him that night. What are you thinking walking back from right field, into the dugout, putting your helmet on, grabbing your bat, walking to the plate? Well, you know, I, I don't remember specifically thinking one thing. Um, but I know that that year I had had a lot of success against left-handers, yes. especially left-handed relievers. Yes. And it was one of my best years against left-handers. And it had a lot to do with, you know, I started looking for some pitches, and I talked to Joey a lot, and we were sitting on slider, you know, just different stuff like that. And honestly, we faced a lot of the same left-handed relievers a lot. And just that whole little left-handed reliever circuit from the NL Central, um, I'd had a lot of success that year. And so my confidence level against left-handers was, was high. And I remember feeling very comfortable against Burdick. Um, and I don't recall anything other than trying to figure out which pitch I wanted to look for. And I couldn't come up, I couldn't decide. And anytime I can't decide, I just go back to the fastball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go up there, and I really don't have any expectations. I mean, my biggest deal against lefties then was to try and get the ball co- close to me and get it up with a little bit of height. Mm-hmm. And Because, you know, they slide it in the dirt low and away that where they go. That's just how what they, sure. what they do to me and what they do to every lefty. And that was my only thought. But I felt pretty confident. And honestly, I was so young and naive that I don't, I don't even re- remember any, like, any type of pressure or anything like that. Like, I think that, you know, we knew that if we won that game, we clinched, but the Cardinals were losing at the same time, I think, because we were all scoreboard watching. Um, and so it, there, was, there wasn't really anything crazy going on in my head other than, like, how am I going to get something to hit from this guy? And I'm pretty confident if I get a good pitch to hit, like, I like my chance. Mm-hmm. And so – I get up there and obviously I hit the home run on the first pitch. Um, And you've seen me hit enough home runs and a lot of people have seen me hit enough home runs that like, I'm not a big, like do things after I hit the home run guy. No, you're not. I don't No. You know, I I hit the ball and run. Well, Um, you've never been that way in anything you do, but but, but please go ahead. That's not you. You know, but you know, I always remember Scott rolling like, he would just hit the ball and, and run, just like, you know, 
like it was no big deal. And as soon as I hit the ball, my hand went up. Yep. And I was shocked. Looking back, I was shocked. I don't know why that happened or how it happened. It was not a voluntary like thing that I did. It just, that's where it went. And, you know, looking back, it was obviously an incredible picture and, you know, very um, kind of stuck in, in a lot of people's heads for a long time. But it was so crazy that for some reason right then, like when I hit it, especially to the deep part of the field, you know, um, it was a no doubter. But any other time I hit that, ball, I would not have done that. Mm -hmm. And I still can't answer to you why I did it then. Well, you, you must have, you must have known almost because you like you said you've hit so many, and and, and I was going to ask you, you know, if you hit if you if you were to just break down, and, you know, and you hit ten home runs in in two weeks, out of the ten, the second they left the bat, out of the ten, nine out of ten, eight out of ten, ten yeah, out of ten, you know nine, they're gone. Nine, nine and a half, okay. probably. Okay. Yeah, because I mean I don't I don't have necessarily light power power like I'm not hitting the ball the furthest. But I have plenty of power. Like, there's never been really an issue with me hit, like knowing whether or not the balls, are, you know, the balls that I hit are going out of the park. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and it was just so crazy because I never, even the farthest balls that I've hit, I don't do, I don't do stuff like that, you know. But it was just so crazy, and it was so, so much like of emotion took over. I remember hitting it, and I remember my hand going up. And then I don't remember anything else until I touch third base and I see everyone at home plate. Do you have a picture and in your mind as you're coming around third? Everybody has that picture of a moment in their life, and it doesn't have to be one as significant as the one we're talking about. But if, it, but if your mind took a picture, did it take a picture of when you hit third base, what you remember seeing? Oh, absolutely. You know, and there's a really good shot from, I don't think it's the dugout camera. I think it's maybe up like upper like on that the left field side of the field yeah it's a great picture you're right you're right it's it's the it's the main picture yep. but it, it it looks a lot like that to me in my in my head and just the craziness that's going on at home plate is something that i will never ever forget well, Jay, uh, I know that everybody who's been listening to this tonight and, and, and has just completely enjoyed it. Heck, I've just been mesmerized listening to you talk about it and all the things you've talked about. I can't thank you enough for your time. And I, and I think I speak for every Reds fan out there, and I sincerely mean this. Uh, I, I don't think there would be anything finer, as we have seen with a lot of former Reds greats, especially since the Castellini family bought the team of, of guys coming back in some form or fashion in this organization. And it would be, uh, it would be awesome to one day have Jay Bruce well, walking around in a red uniform. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, from me, from my family, like, we appreciate so much that everything that the Cincinnati Reds and the city of Cincinnati gave us throughout the years. And we, um, you know, feel like we were very, very fortunate to have an experience like we did. Well, Jay, thanks for but the time, man. All the best to you and Hannah absolutely. and the boys, and we'll catch yeah, up with thanks. you again down the road. All right, y'all stay safe. Thanks a lot, man. Jay Bruce, kind enough to join us. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Bank, Budweiser, and UDF. Just like that, we are out of time. Great stuff with Tom Brenneman from Jay Bruce. Really, really cool conversation. I hope you 
enjoyed that. Big thanks to Jay for joining us. Also, thanks to the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, and for Tom Brenneman and our studio producer, the broadcast sheriff, Dave Keaton. This is Tommy Thrall saying good night.